I imagined that I knew what they were thinking and that was the most dangerous thing that I did. I imagined they were looking at me and thinking, thank God I'm not her. That was what I thought they were thinking. As a matter of fact, I didn't know what they were thinking. You know, now with years down the line, I yeah. can imagine they were thinking, oh, she's got nice hair or, oh, she looks different or, oh, I wonder how that happened or I wonder, there could be a host of things that they were thinking. Hi, I'm Brooke Melhouse. Welcome to Disabled and Proud, the podcast that does exactly what it says on the tin. Each week, the show highlights an awesome disabled guest speaking about their own disability, why they're proud to be disabled, and why they're proud to be themselves. Lindsay, welcome to Disabled and Proud. How are you today? I'm amazing. I'm absolutely above average. As we in in the office, we give we give ourselves a mark out of ten every day. So we'll come in. I'll say, give me your number. And I, I I said I was a solid seven today, which is pretty good. Oh, I, I love that, that every morning you go and you're like, yeah, today I'm an eight, today I'm a nine. Yeah. I, I oh, love that. <laughs> one of them came in and said eight and a half. And we were like, whoa, what did you do last night then? <laughs> Where did that half come from? <laughs> Yeah. I think I might implement that into my own office actually I think that's quite a good way of like gauging how the day is gonna go <laughs> it works and if someone comes in and says look I'm a shitty two and I'm shutting the door on it and you, you go right okay then we can help you with that and we at least we know you know you're having a bad day it, it really actually does work it sounds daft but it works no I love it so <laughs> first Brooke. question no Brooke first question give me your number Oh, today. Oh, today yeah. I'm like a good 8.59. Oh, yeah. That's really I'm feeling good. good. Yeah. Good. I like that. I'm happy for that. Yeah. What about you? What is your number today? I was a solid seven, but I'm actually going up as the day goes on because I was quite drowsy, but I feel a bit more invigorated now. So I could be just behind you at a good solid eight now. Oh, see, this is like, and this, oh, maybe, maybe this should be a podcast question because they don't really tell me where the conversation's going to go. Because if someone comes in at there at two and I'm going to be like, got to reschedule. Sorry, babes. <laughs> That's right. There's nothing I can do for you today. I'm really sorry. <laughs> so my first question that I ask absolutely every single person hmm. is how do you refer to your disability? I refer to it in different ways. You know, when I was walking, because I, I used to be mm-hmm. in amputee for anyone that doesn't know I'm an, I'm an above knee amputee um, mm. and I used to call myself a monoped <laughs> yeah, and it was true monoped I had one leg and I still have but I, I yeah I refer to myself as as amputee disabled with with various chronic illnesses that are too mm-hmm. numerous to mention and too gruesome to talk about so but with me because I'm, I'm a visible amputee people yeah it kind of, I don't know how you find it, but it kind of lets you off the hook quite a lot. People don't really need to ask you because they can see what your disability is. So sometimes having a visible disability can be quite useful. I have it where summertime, amazing, because like I'm very happy in who I am. I wear my clothes. It doesn't really bother me. But in winter, that's when I find that most people are shocked to see that I'm disabled because obviously like we're wearing jumpers we're wearing sure. jackets yeah and obviously as, as you take a layer off people yeah. are like <gasps> oh. oh and and then because they're only just realizing and then they feel yeah. guilty because they've made an assumption yeah that's when people are like oh my goodness like you are disabled and I'm like yes it's yeah. always been this way yeah don't <laughs> yeah big whoop what does Ted Lasso say big whoop (laughs) yeah exactly but I think it's really interesting what you say is that sometimes having a visible disability like you are right sometimes it can can let you off the hook because it's it's there and you don't need to and not that anybody should ever feel the need to explain their disability because that's not what it's about but actually because it's so visible you kind of can't miss it sometimes Completely. Yeah. So people just pass you by. And if they want to have a conversation about, you know, what's wrong with you, they'll go to the poor person that's walking along with a walking stick and have a, you know, go and question yeah. them. Some people do. Why do people do that? Why do they feel that they can walk up to someone and go, oh, what happened to you then? What's wrong with you? I mean, I get that sometimes about what, what happened. How did you lose your leg? Yeah. And, 
and I just I just say I, w- I was ill which I was but mm-hmm. you know sometimes if I'm feeling up to it I'll make up a story and you know it was I was skydiving and it was a shark and it was it was all this yeah. you know but quite often I just think just mind your own business please and move on it is it's super interesting that quite a lot of the general public feel like disabled people owe them an explanation and what I've put it down to is that because sometimes disabled people can look very different from average Joe blogs is that because it's different people can't compute anything until they know the reason as to why so they can almost avoid the same situation happening to them and Mm. that's essentially what I think I've boiled it down to is that people are super curious but to Mm. avoid it happening to them which I think is absolutely fascinating so it's it's advice and it's a lesson on what not to do otherwise you'll catch what I've got and I think you're never going to catch what I've got mate because (laughs) this isn't catching you know the one leg thing yeah exactly and I think like I've had this conversation with a few people and they've been like actually that that point is so true because the amount the amount of time people have been like well what happened to you or I'll, I'll make sure I won't do that or like oh that was silly of you or a yeah. that is inherently trauma like what a terrible response if I'm telling you about some trauma that I had what a silly thing to do thank you so much for <laughs> like thank you for invalidating my experience but also it, it's it's almost a warning and in that there's something quite more there's something quite morbid about it really <laughs> No, and I, it, you know, you just wish that people would mind their own business and spend their their time asking something a bit more constructive, you know, because it. I, I am in a wheelchair and I have mm. one leg, but how about asking me what I do? Do you work? Do you have a job? You know, have yeah. you been on holiday this year? Da, 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 da. Anything that you would ask to any other person if you just met them in a cafe and you were just just chatting, you know, ask anything that's just like an absolutely regular question. Don't go in for the big kill on the, you know, what, what happened to you, what, you know? Yeah. So interestingly, because you're an amputee, and I'm usually going to talk about childhood, but I'm not sure that that's necessarily appropriate here because, I mean, I could be absolutely making an assumption, but I can't imagine that your childhood involved disability until you then had your amputation and you became ill. But I was Mm -hmm. wondering, because you acquired your disability, was there disability in your life before you acquired your disability? I began with childhood arthritis. So it was around pain, was around, yeah. uh, you know, having operations and using crutches was around. So that that kind of thing had been in my yeah. life since I was about 14. Um, but as for permanent disability, no, not really. It didn't, it didn't knock on my door till I was like 40, 42, um, mm-hmm. which came as quite a shock. But fortunately... Yeah. I did have, you know, all those previous years of dealing with 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 pain because what I went mm-hmm. through was ext- extremely painful. Um, but no, not no disability in the family. No, I never knew anybody in a wheelchair. Certainly, never knew anyone that was an amputee. So yeah. to actually be in a room where the word amputation was said to me the first time filled me with utter horror because yeah. it, it to me. I imagined it was the worst thing that could possibly happen. But at the time, the worst thing had already happened already because my leg had become permanently disabled anyway at that time. And actually losing it, because I between the, the the illness, I caught a, an MRSA um, infection in hospital during mm. surgery. So I... The, the, and after three years of living with the leg that they'd saved, I just decided to... I can't do this anymore, get rid of it, because I'd already lost the leg effectively. So people were saying, oh, amputation is a big decision. You shouldn't have to make this decision. It's too big. I don't know how you manage. And it's actually, it was quite easy because the leg wasn't a team player. It was holding yeah. me back in everything that I did and wanted to do. Um, so actually getting rid of it was just quite a relief in the end. So I, I to me, I, I'd lost the leg three years previously, you know, when I became ill, um but yeah it was it was a big shock um that yeah. the whole amputation thing shock for my family I had two young children um it was it was it was difficult you know but mm. you find your tribe I found my people and yeah. when that happened it was 
liberating. It was just so empowering for me. Um, I, I, I found my people. I don't know whether you know this. Um, when I went and trained to be a circus performer for, mm -hmm. the, for the Paralympics, and there was a big group of us of disabled people, and they they changed my life. Yeah. Mm. I think that there's so much strength in realizing that part of your body just doesn't work for you like there's a lot of strength in that because a lot of people as you're right hearing amputation it's it's quite scary and I part of me wonders is that because our main like source of knowledge or like representation of amputation often comes from like wartime films very, very rarely in the media do you see a story much like yours where actually it's the best decision that could happen to you, even though it doesn't necessarily feel like it at the time. You know, two years down the line, it's the best thing that ever happened or, you know, five years down the line. But very, very rarely do we see it as a positive thing. Yeah. And that's, it must and it can't have been easy, A, to make that decision because it's not an easy decision for anybody to make. But because that representation is not there, then having to almost like explain your reasoning to people who who like, you know, close family, close friends, you know, people who are involved in your life. Mm. It must have been quite a shock for, for them as well for you to be like, actually, like I've made the decision. It's just it's going to come off. Mm. It was because to them, you're talking to perfectly able bodied people. Mm -hmm. losing a limb is like the worst thing that could possibly happen to them but they yeah. have gone through the trauma of me of the of what I'd suffered being ill and then the consequent leg that I was left with after after I'd had this infection which was ridiculous I couldn't bend it I couldn't walk on it it was painful it was just it was just yeah. ridiculous you know it did nothing for me it just held me back um and, and I'm a big um I like to make progress I don't like yeah. to I don't like to look at something that is only going to decline. I will look at it and go, well, how can I make that better then? Um, mm -hmm. And the leg, every time I looked at it, was only ever going to get worse. Yeah. Ironically, to a point where it would probably be amputated anyway. So that helped yeah. me along the journey thinking yeah. oh, it's, it's probably going to go anyway. So let me take the power back. Mm -hmm. And instead of all this stuff happening to me, I'm going to make this happen and I'm going to take the power back, make the decision off it went. And I learned to walk and I, you know, I, I had an amazing few years of, I, kn I knew it would be limited to the number of years that I would be super active, but I really was super yeah. active. Um, and then of course the rest of me started falling apart, but you can't write it, can you? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's very true. I always think that, you know how people have like five year, 10 year plans and I think if you have that for you that is absolutely wonderful and that's absolutely great but if you look back five years ago from now everything that you thought that you were going to achieve do whatever is completely different and the path is completely separate from where you've ended up like did I ever think that I would be hosting a podcast talking to all types of different people around the world all about their disability five years ago probably not like, yeah. Yeah. but here we are so like actually I think having a path where like sometimes it's really unknown is actually way more fun way more fun I, I think I think it is because when I lost when I lost my leg I, I just decided that I would say yes to everything I became this yes person yeah. so it was uh, I was getting emails from a I was with um an agency called amputees in action and they mm. work for amputees so I was going off pretending to have been just blown up in a in a bomb blast for the SAS or for the army or for dressed up with a, a leg that squirted blood it was amazing and I was going yes I'll do that will you go here to do it yes of course I'll, I'll go there to do it and I did that for a few years and then I got this bizarre email from them saying that the Olympic committee were looking for people to train for the ceremonies for the Paralympics. Yeah ceremonies wow. for 2012 am I interested so yes of course I'm interested didn't know what it involved didn't know anything um and then yeah that turned out that I uh, I, I trained to be a, a circus performer doing crazy stupid things wow. you know Lindsay will you do this stunt yes of course I will are you afraid of heights well I don't know really but yes I'll say <laughs> just say it so it, it led me down the most amazing avenues that I would never have gone down had I not yeah. that leg amputated because all that leg was doing was holding me back so actually freeing myself from it 
just opened up a whole world of of possibilities and it led me down the avenue of, of you know creating the business as mm. well so I, I I agree with you I think just the twists and turns it's that picking up the phone and you never know what the you know the call is going to say yeah. there's an excitement to it and I, I still get a real buzz out of that I love it yeah I think it's so wild that you trained as a circus performer I think that that's just absolutely incredible I ran away to the circus I did yeah. literally for six months I ran away to the circus and uh, trained that say there was 40 of us of varying disabilities mm-hmm. there were blind people deaf people um amputees people of short stature there was people with cerebral palsy there was, um, just you name it we we were yeah. all there. the biggest <laughs> we were all broken people we were just there just to do you know to learn and to do our best and none of them gave in and i'm sure that along the way they were expecting some people to actually give up and and give in the training but yeah nobody actually gave in because we were just so we're so strong um Mm. we trained five days a week um for six months to do these these ceremonies and it it was just crazy it was but it was the best time it was great yeah I just think like I always think about in another life would I have loved to have been a circus performer or alternatively a gymnast just because I think like how cool would it be to be able to like be so bendy and what I've come to realize is that I'm just not bendy at all I snap like a twig (laughs) costumes are great as well that was one of the best bits we were getting to dress up in like like have wacky makeup done and stuff it was just amazing it was and just to you see you're wrong if you say you're not bendy, then you'd just do something else because that that was what we all did. Mm-hmm. If you couldn't do what the traditional thing was, you just did it your way. And yeah. everybody had their own way of doing things. So, yeah, you see, even non-bendy twig people would, would be fine. You wouldn't have snapped. <laughs> or if you'd snapped, it would have been part of your act. <laughs> yeah, it just would have been part of it. Like, oh, that yeah, yeah, wasn't yeah. meant to pop yeah. out. Whoopsies. Ooh, that, that was amazing. <laughs> Couldn't you do that again? <laughs> No, it was it was jolly good fun. It was it was really yeah. good fun. and met some made some lifelong friends, yeah, which is, is great. Yeah. So interestingly, I I always like to this podcast kind of follows a very specific path, and this this bit right now is is actually I'm really looking forward to to hearing uh-huh. about what you now do. Oh, because I always think at some point, disabled people, whether you acquire it or whether you're born disabled at some point your disability is taken into account in what career choices that you make whether that's mm. conscious or unconscious quite a lot of the time you do have to factor in what your disability is because that could be does it limit you in certain areas do you need to ask for extra access needs or maybe you do what I do and you just talk about disability all the time and I was wondering for you a how did your career change when you acquired your disability but also, what do you do now? And please wax lyrical about your company. Okay. So in my previous life, my, my pre-disabled life, um, I was a hairdresser. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved, I, I, I trained late as a hairdresser. I, tra- I trained <laughs> late as a hairdresser because when my kids got older and they were going off to secondary school, I thought, oh, now's my opportunity to actually retrain and do something really, really cool. So I trained to be a hairdresser. And then within two years of qualifying, I became ill. So that idea yeah. went out the bloody window because who's going to have an amputee on one leg stood next to them with a pair of sharp scissors? Not many people. Um, yeah. So I thought, right, well, okay, well, I'll do something else then. Um, and it became, it became clear... It became clear quite early on that getting a job as a disabled person is a bit tricky because you look unreliable. You Mm. probably are unreliable because of of different chronic illnesses you might have going on. So that, you know, you might need to take off more sick days than somebody else. Mm -hmm. And it became quite clear that actually finding a job was going to be really tricky. So I was I was walking, I was an ambulatory, I had a, a, a prosthetic and I was using a walking stick sometimes. And and I decided that 
actually they were all a bit shit. They were all yeah. flowery. They were all metal. They were clunky. You know, you could hear somebody coming from miles away with a with a, a clunky walking stick. And and I I did think I, there must be something better out there. And I and I researched materials that that you could make you know think things out of because I'm quite handy. And yeah. I came up with this idea for an acrylic walking stick, which the first one that I thought about doing would, would have been a clear one because I was at a point where I wanted to be invisible. Yeah. If you can understand. So I wanted an invisible yeah. walking stick. And the only way to get that would be to have a totally clear one. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that was when the, the idea for acrylic came up. Um, but anyway, the, I, I I ordered some rods from a, a place in the UK, totally out of my depth with what I was speaking about, what I was ordering. It was, I remember it vividly and then yeah. made a walking stick in my oven at home um, <laughs> and molded it around a, a wine bottle, molded the handle around a wine bottle because that was all I had. I didn't have, I didn't know what to use and it looked about the right kind of shape. So yeah. that, that that was how I made my my first one. And I, 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 I was tickle pink with it and I was walking around with it and people were going, oh, love your walking stick. Where did you get it? Um, yeah. And I just said, you know, I, I made it, I made it. And then I, one day I decided I would, see what it felt like to say oh I've got a business and I make them um Mm -hmm. and it felt actually really quite quite funky when I said it and I thought I like the feel of that saying I've got a business um and that that was really how it how it began it was as simple as that it was I mean they say necessity is the mother of all inventions so it's a bit like you you didn't hear the podcast you wanted so let's make it let's do it so I couldn't see a stick I wanted so I thought yeah to hell with it I'll make one um, and it it began quite small. I worked as because I was still doing circus work at the same time. Yeah. And this idea of the walking sticks, I kind of knew that there was something in it, that there was something really good. But I still had other things. I had other dreams to follow at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't actually start working full time, 100 percent on the business until about 2019. Um, yeah. And then I decided that the other offers of work were drying up. There was nothing coming. Nobody wanted a slightly aged, less bendy circus performer. So I, I, I decided that it was time to, you know, to do the the walking sticks properly full time. So I've worked mad hard at it since then. And we've we've just gone gone crazy. So my days used to involve making walking sticks because I used to yeah. do all of it myself. But now I've got a team of of people I've got like eight people that that work with me on on different days and um I have walking sticks they they make them I have the the girls in the office who who pack them and send them out I concentrate a lot more on the marketing side of things and making the business grow and and I get to do fun stuff like this and come and talk to lovely people like you and I get to go and do um you know um conferences I did a conference in London um before Christmas where I spoke on the overuse of antibiotics that really sexy subject um but you know it's I I really did so many things (laughs) Um, I, I got I got to do that, and I've I've got I've got connections in the US now that I'm able to uh, to work with. So it it's actually freed me up to mm-hmm. um, to be a lot more of a an entrepreneur now rather than the person in the workshop. So mm-hmm. I've I have a very exciting life right now. I just think it's like beyond amazing that your first walking stick that you made was just wrapped around a wine bottle. Because mm-hmm. I think what you said is so right, like necessity, it was it was needed and you used what you had to hand because who were you to know like the right dimensions or the right like weight bearing? And, and, and there's so many other things that come into play that you wouldn't even think about. But at that point in time, what you had to hand and what you wanted to make, you had to do it and, and you made it and you made it work. And I yeah. think there's just so much... There's so much power in that because there's so much to be said for people who just go out and do something and just know that the first time it's not going to be great. But actually the idea is fantastic. Yeah. Execution first time round is never going to be that brilliant. And that, and the way that I can compare it the best is when you first learned to walk or when you first started to speak, could you speak eloquently 
and could you walk really well no you fell on your ass and you probably just babbled absolute garbage so I I like I love just people who have an idea and then just go after it because I think there's just like so much power in it and now look at it I'm still falling on my ass (laughs) (laughs) me too (laughs) like my balance isn't that great and I'm pretty sure that's because my center of gravity is like not in the center but that's that's by the by (laughs) you need a walking stick madam Um, maybe not right now. <laughs> I know where to go if I do need one. Definitely know where to go if you need one. Yeah. No, I, I, it, it's been a very exciting, creative, um, unknown journey that mm-hmm. I've been on and I'm still on because the, the business yeah. isn't finished yet. We're still creating new opportunities and going out and doing new things. Um, so it's it is it's very exciting and I do I feel very proud um of what I began but I feel Mm -hmm. hugely proud of the team that I've got that helped me to to carry on my my daily life we've got a workshop and office at home we're Mm -hmm. very lucky got a big house and nobody lives in it because the kids have all gone um so we've taken over space and we use we we had a bit converted into an office and a and a workshop So on days that I can't make it into work, which is pathetic because it's about 12 meters away, <laughs> I can sit on my sofa and I can tap yeah. on my laptop and the, the, the guys in the office know that I'm I'm here, maybe not well enough to be sat in the office with them, but I'm here and yeah. I'm still kind of working and I'm still involved. And that to me is so, that's my, my, my dream scenario because what mm-hmm. I would have, what I would have hated to have been the person that had to let down, not let down. That's not the right word. You're just asking for asking for your needs to be taken into account if you yeah. need time to be off work. But it's we're programmed to feel like you're letting someone down. That you know, if you yeah. can't come in this day, I can't come in this week. Um, I'm letting someone down. But I, I, the way that we've got the the whole thing set up, it just works perfectly for me, and it accommodates everything that I need. Um, so yeah. I'm I am lucky, very 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 lucky. It's very interesting that you bring up that you think that you know that perception of letting people down, and that's something that I think disabled people inherently will always struggle with, regardless, mm-hmm. because we have this quite archaic work system where it's like the nine to five and and you only have the weekends off and you know you have 20 days of holiday per year where actually that's been the same since the Victorian era Mm -hmm. like like Mm -hmm. nothing has changed like the industrial revolution happened but nothing in the workplace in terms of like working hours and flexibility has changed since then and yet Mm -hmm. our world has our world has massively changed since then we've got new technologies we've had a pandemic for Christ's sake there are so many different things that are now in play particularly when it surrounds like work and working hours that actually because of that and because of that nine to five mentality that we have had for what feels like forever the idea of having your own access needs being met can sometimes feel like you're doing your company your workplace your work makes a disservice when actually it's only you that's getting the disservice from that because you're not taking yourself into account it feels quite selfish in a way yeah um yeah because I've got I've said I need this I need access I need time I need flexible hours so they don't need me in there with them all the time if I if I get out of bed at midday I can work till seven o'clock you know they go at four it doesn't matter the whole thing ticks over so it it does feel very selfish in a way um, but to them, it's it's not they they don't mind you know their their work day is the same. We all get our jobs done. Um, I think it's just we beat ourselves up. But as a, as a woman, I think that also comes with the job. Yeah, we, we beat ourselves up a lot. Um, you know, over body image, over um, time taken away from family to work Mm. over you know all these things that we beat ourselves up over, and then throw a disability into that and oh god I mean it's a wonder we get through the day Um, yeah but I think we're you know we're we're built to do that to ourselves and I don't know when that's going to change when is it when's that ever going to change it is it's like it's such an interesting topic to have a conversation about because 
it does feel almost inbuilt that we women can't be selfish because then then it's you know like you're a bad person you're not putting other people before yourself but actually if you're running at 20 percent and you're trying to help the people around you well there's like 80 percent missing so you're gonna be crap whatever you do it like it doesn't matter and so just just like be almost be the bigger person and just take time out like you're not being selfish you're looking after yourself but that feels inherently uncomfortable. Yeah, I'm a big believer in timeline. I believe sometimes my brain just says, no, no more. Um, and I I have to, the only way I can deal with it is to go to sleep. That's one of my coping mechanisms. So if mm. I get overwhelmed um, and I just can't, I can't function any anymore, I just, I take myself away and I go to sleep. And it's just, it's like a reset yeah, uh, and I come out of it feeling fresher, and I've I've learned that I just have to do that, and the people around me have learned that that's just what I have to do, um, and they know that it's better when I come back. <laughs> they just go, Lindsay, just go to sleep, just go, 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 sit down. Um, so yeah, that that, that that's one of my coping mechanisms. Really, is mm. is that I don't know how how does that happen to you? Do you? I quite often get told to go and have a nap. <laughs> Go and have a nap. What, like a naughty girl? Go and have a nap. Yeah, like, oh, have you had a nap today? And I'm like, no. And people are like, well, you need one. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And I like, but I completely understand that because I do think, particularly when you're either a super creative person or you're someone who has got a lot of drive and ambition, you you do you almost need more rest because your brain is going at like 100 miles an hour. And like, God knows my brain goes all the time and people are like oh you should rest more and I'm like rest is great I was like but I don't actually get any pleasure from rest like I find it quite boring so for yeah. me to rest is it's kind of futile because I'm just sat there and I'm frustrated because I'm like oh I could be doing something else yeah because actually yeah. for me it's better for me to take like smaller chunks of time off rather than like going all at once and then burnout and then going all at once and burnout so for me it's much better to be like a couple of days rest couple of days rest couple of days rest because that way I'm not a dick to other people not a dick no we all try we don't like to be dicks I was wondering from being a non-amputee to then suddenly becoming an amputee particularly surrounding body image and women what was that experience like for you transitioning from being two legs two arms to then being one leg two arms it was awful and there's no, and I wish I could sugarcoat it for other people that might be looking at going through it, but don't underestimate what it does to your head, because mm-hmm. I I just thought I'm strong enough, I'll deal with it, it'll be fine, yeah. and I was I was also on a high because of, I mean I literally ran on adrenaline for about six weeks after I had yeah. the reputation and I was super positive and I was yes 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 um you know I'm gonna walk I'm gonna go I was just that's all I was focused on and it hadn't really dawned on me that I looked really different and then I started going out in a wheelchair to start with um when when I first started going out because I couldn't walk I didn't have a leg that, that fit me straight away and I could see people looking at me and I and I, I I imagined that I knew what they were thinking, and that was the most dangerous thing that I did. I imagined they were looking at me and thinking, "Thank God I'm not her." That was what I thought they were thinking. As a matter of fact, I didn't know what they were thinking. You know, now with years down the line, I yeah. can imagine they were thinking, "Oh, she's got nice hair," or "Oh, she looks different," or oh, I wonder how that happened. Or I wonder, there could be a host of things that they were thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember being outside a shoe shop and there was a, a, a sign in the window that said, buy one, get one free. And I heard some blokes make a joke about me. That mm-hmm. really, really cut deep. And I thought, God, I'm I'm a laughing stock now. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that kind of that turned me and those blokes will never know that what they said did what it did to me um, but that that kind of turned me and then I crashed I completely mm-hmm. crashed and I couldn't bear the thought of myself just being with one leg and it, it you know the only thing that helps is time and it's the yeah. one thing that I can't give to anybody or that anybody could have given to me 
it was just time, you know, and after a, a, a year, after two years, I didn't give a shit. I didn't care less. I loved yeah. my leg because I loved my prosthetic. I was walking and Christ, I was a circus performer. You know, I was, there was a lot to love about, about that body yeah. then. But to begin with, oh, it was, it was hard. It was very hard. Yeah. And I think it's so fascinating for me particularly because I don't know what life was like with two arms so like for me I'm not an amputee like that's not my like my identity and so Mm. I always find it incredibly interesting because I don't know any different Mm. and so I've always been like I am me I am who I am there's no difference for me like I I don't know what life was like but on the flip side someone who is an amputee like yourself there was a life before you became an amputee and and Mm. you experienced like life without disability and then suddenly you become Mm. disabled or you acquire disability Mm. and I always just find it fascinating because there seems to always be a grieving process Mm. and and people kind of forget that Mm. because suddenly like life has changed and now you're part of a community that maybe you didn't think you were going to be a part of at some point in your life and and because our community is so underrepresented and it's so misrepresented that actually it can seem quite scary and quite daunting and and you know how to navigate this space is now completely new and and it's a different way of life and so you've got find to find it you've got to find that community as well yeah that was really hard because mm. this was back in 2010 I lost my legs it's 13 years ago um yes we had mobile phones and yes we had you know we had all that sort of stuff but Instagram was still a bit of a baby Facebook still in its infancy you know these these kind of places were still just developing and it it didn't seem an obvious place to go to find people that that would be like me and how do you find them what what do you do do you just say hello is anyone else an amputee out there ironically that would work (laughs) you know simple question it would work today you would get a horde of messages saying yeah I am you know message me But back then, it it was really, really difficult to know where to find people like myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And like I said, the the pivotal thing for me was 2012 with the Olympics. It was life changing. Yeah. And and because of that, it's almost like you were immersed in it and and you found your tribe pretty quickly. And Mm -hmm. and when you see people daily and, and there's something to be said in like mutual suffering, particularly surrounding sports, particularly surrounding things that make your body just feel a bit rubbish sometimes. Like if you listen to this podcast, you know that I do CrossFit. I love CrossFit. And there is something really to be said in the friendships that I've found in CrossFit because we go through this absolute mutual pain and hell together nearly every day. But all my CrossFit friends are very close friends of mine. And it's, it's because we have that shared experience of hell. <laughs> hell I kept a diary through all of my circus training I'm really glad mm. I did because it's interesting yeah, to look now. and some days <laughs> all I wrote was shit 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 page <laughs> full of shit because I was literally covered in bruises you know yeah. shoulders knackered needing massages I was taped up with physio tape but oh god, it was just it was exhilarating, you know. You just you had to turn up every day and and try. And it taught me a lot about how much you can put your body through. I learned yeah. a lot about I probably broke a lot as well. That's probably the reasons why I'm got knackered shoulders now, because I was dangling from trapezes and stuff. Yeah. But you know what? I wouldn't change a thing. I wouldn't. No. It's a bit like um you you ask anybody with a disability and they probably wouldn't change the way their life path has turned out because let's face it you know we we all have bad days but it's not a bad life um yeah one hot day doesn't make a summer and you've got to remember that um and I, I I think a lot of people would would say that they wouldn't change anything have you ever wondered if if this had happened to you if you'd lost an arm sort of later in in life as you are now yeah. you ever wondered how you would cope with it what you would think what you would do how it would feel no I haven't and I think that's because I I just don't know what it would be like to navigate this world with two hands mm. like mm. I've thought about what would it look like to navigate the world with two hands and then I realized that it, for for me 
it would just be so boring. Like, it would be so boring. <laughs> Too easy. Give me <laughs> <Like>, hard to do. <laughs> because I, but I think that's because my entire life I've always had to adapt and it's become second nature. Like, I now don't know how I do things. Like, if someone asked me to explain to them, how do I chop up a vegetable? Or I, mm. I couldn't tell you, I'd just be like, I'd cut it up. Yeah. But I couldn't actually tell you like how it how it works in my brain, how I get to the point where I can see what I need to do. Yeah. So not really, because I think I've never I've never known what it would be like with two hands. And almost yeah. for me, I'm kind of someone that's like, if I know it's never gonna happen, I don't need mm. to think about it. Like if I know the rock is heavy, yeah, I don't need to pick it up. Yeah, like, but I don't you need to prove you're a myself. person, you'd pick up anything heavy. You just look <laughs> yeah, at that isn't heavy enough for me, make it heavier. I need to feel more pain. <laughs> yeah, I know my shoulders are in bits this week because I decided to go back weightlifting and I was like, oh, just I'm five foot and a fluff. I weigh like less than 51 <laughs> kilograms. I shouldn't be trying to lift my body weight. Like I'm I'm not I'm not strong for that. Really? Do you lift your body weight? Do you? And my like my goal is to lift my body weight, but I just oh. at the minute like I'm six kilograms off it, which just like six kilograms seems like the heaviest six kilograms ever. I bet. Every time I'm like, oh my god, I just want to inch a bit closer. And every time I'm like half a kilogram, I'm like, no, it's too much. (laughs) Six kilograms, that's like barely a handbag. Come on. I mean you can six bag of sugar. That's that's the that's the sad bit. Six bags of sugar. So when when do you have like a target date? Are you aiming for is it competition or something, or is it just personal? No, it's just personal. I've because I I know that being an adaptive athlete, it is actually quite dangerous to chase big numbers and Mm. that's quite an unpopular opinion but like my body isn't central like my spine isn't central like it's a bit curved Mm. Uh, lifting for me requires me to catch a barbell like on my collarbone and and, and, like here right to to make me feel like it's safe and so chasing after big numbers with that is actually quite unfeasible but if I can do my body weight which is not unattainable body weight is is absolutely unattainable if yeah. I can get body weight, then I think that'd be the, the most, I'd be so happy and so proud of that because that's like my own weight. And then, then I know that I'm kind of set for life. So if I ever fall over, I can pick myself back up. If I ever, <laughs> like if I ever need to pick up like heavy things, yeah, I can do it because I can pick myself up. Like I can pick my yeah. own body weight up. So that's my goal with that. At the I minute. think that's, in, that's incredible. And I think that you should be very proud of yourself. Even being six kilos off, you should be hugely proud of yourself oh thank you that's so lovely so I like to ask everybody do you have a piece of advice for a younger version of yourself oh yeah dance and sing do the things that you thought would make you look stupid and that people would look at you and go look at that idiot do it do do the do the crazy things do the do you know it's that old eat the cake wear the dress do that it, yeah. it I would just say be less uptight tell your kids off a bit more <laughs> <laughs> note to self note to younger self yeah don't be so slack on them um no I wasn't really uh, but yeah, definitely don't be uptight. Own your confidence, actually grow into your confidence and just believe that you've got this this, this power and the strength because as a younger person, I didn't feel any of that. You know, I look back to my 20s and 30s and I was hugely unconfident. And, uh, and that, yeah. so that's, what I would, that's what I would tell myself because within all that you'll find a lot of growth and a lot of adventure um, if you just step out of nothing grows inside your comfort zone um mm. there you go summed it up yeah ironic that your company now makes other people feel confident yeah isn't that nice that's like it's a full, it's such a full circle moment because i think yeah. you're providing people with you're right traditionally walking sticks are ugly (laughs) they're not the prettiest things in the world and also I think we do have a massive assumption when it comes to any form of mobility aid that it's uh, for people who are elderly when actually like that's not the case it's really not the case and yet you're providing you're making these products for people so that they can feel really confident in using mobility aids and 
And I always like to state that like I don't use mobility aids, but I know so many people who do. And, and actually they're, it's liberation mm-hmm. and you're giving people that confidence to be liberated. And how like perfect is it that your piece of advice, your younger self is to like just grow into your confidence? That's right. Just do it. Yeah. We get emails every day that would make you cry, that do yeah. make us cry from people who have have got a walking stick and it's changed their lives because it's given them confidence without shame. It's given them the mobility and the stability to go out and be seen yeah. and to be willing to be seen. And what happens is people will no longer go to them and say, what's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. People will go, oh, my God, love your stick. And and it's a conversation starter. Um, yeah. And people, you know, like a disability, someone with a disability quite often wishes they were invisible. And that's that's the feeling that I had when I first became a, a, a walking stick user. Um, but when someone comes to you and wants to start a conversation with you, they've seen you and they see something in you that they want to interact with. And it's a brand yeah. new feeling for a lot of people. And honestly, the messages, uh, yeah, that they're, they're, they're amazing. And it's why we keep doing what we do. It's just yeah. why we, why we do it. I just, I love that so much because I think giving people confidence and giving people the confidence to be themselves is like, it's invaluable, isn't it? Because we all we all have power. We all just need to step into it. And and sometimes we don't necessarily know how. And like being able to to be that helping hand that's like, hey, like, try this, it might work, is is like magical. It is magical. It actually is magical. And when we get, we'll get cards and letters and we'll, you know, we get these lovely emails and I make sure everyone in the office reads them. They're not to me, they're to everybody because we're, we're all in it. They're all really committed to what we do. None of them have disabilities, but they all know me and, um, you know, what, what I've go through and how I speak to them. And then they, they, you know, they learn from interaction with all like all the community. So when, when we get something that, that is absolutely, it's just a lovely message. I make sure they all, they all read it right down to the Kendall who makes the walking sticks. We've got a Californian dude who makes, (laughs) he he lives here in York with with his wife and we took him on about a year ago and we're, we're teaching him to be Yorkshire. Oh, it's taken a long time, but he's, he now says garage instead of garage. And we're, you know, we're trying to teach him all the Yorkshire lingo. So that's it, but hilarious. It, yeah. So yeah, even down to him, we make sure he reads everything. So he knows what he's doing. Um, and it, it's quite emotional, you know, it's really yeah. emotional for, for them to, to hear the difference that, that the walking sticks make. It's uh it's good it's why we do it we love we love what we do we're very lucky yeah I think it's hilarious that you have someone like a Californian guy who works for you you're trying to you know trying to make him super Yorkshire because I lived in York for three years and like you do get immersed into it and you come away and you're like you say something (laughs) I remember talking to someone about a roast dinner and I can't even remember what I said but they're like oh my god I can tell that you've been in Yorkshire for three like you've been in York for three years (laughs) and I was like yeah it does it does rub off on you like it's a great way of being (laughs) when when you have a passion for mashed potato and gravy it's just you know you're the best gravy chips after but you know he's he's been here nearly a year and he hasn't had a Sunday dinner yet isn't that bad how have you avoided that I don't understand every single pub does it <laughs> yeah, not a Sunday dinner yet, so we're going to have to remedy that very soon. It's his birthday next week, so I think we're going Surprise, to surprise you're getting a Sunday yeah. roast. <laughs> we're going to do something. Here's a Yorkshire pudding. Try that, man. Uh, yeah, now you're real Yorkshire, but it's it's great. We've got this varied team, you know. But mm. We uh, we all get along really well. I like to think that through hardship, that we learn about ourselves upon reflection it might not be immediate but upon reflection we learn quite a lot about ourselves and I was wondering is there a particular positive trait that you've noticed within yourself that upon reflection through hardship or through hard times you're actually incredibly proud of I would say I've always I've always had myself down as being an an empath I can always, I've, I've always been that that type of personality but that's magnified in me now um, yeah. very very much magnified um it's taught me that 
you don't know what people are thinking, even mm-hmm. if you think you're bright enough to know what they're thinking. I'm really not. Um, so it's taught me that. It's taught me about endurance and how much I can put my body through in the a bit like you with your physical yeah. training. I didn't know I could push my body that far. Um, but yeah, it's and it's taught me a lot of patience because recovery took a lot of time. So patience and gratitude um, also. It's taught me a lot, hasn't it? Do you know what, though? I honestly think, I say this all the time, that I forget that the normal is not dis- disability. Mm. So like all of my disabled friends are probably like the most astute people I know. They might not be like super clever when it comes to like books and and like actually like, you know, smart, quote unquote, like smart stuff. But they mm. are the most emotionally intelligent, super well-rounded, empathetic, caring mm. people I know. And mm. I think that's because we all realize at some point we go through some form of struggle mm. and it's not struggle as in like, what I would be like average Joe blog struggle. So it might not just be like depression for depression's sake. There's there's usually like some form of conflicting outside experience that you've had that's probably made it a little bit worse or, you know, societal pressures. And when you don't meet that and you don't match that and you don't fit mm. into that mold, it can be quite a dark place. Mm. But actually like all my disabled people that I know are like my favorite humans because they we're all just, we all genuinely care and want the world A, to be a better place but be like we actually understand what it's like to not necessarily fit in yeah and actually I quite like not fitting in I I really I really enjoy it I I wouldn't want to be average yeah we're happy misfits yeah and I love the tv show misfits so I really identify with that completely yeah absolutely I do too but yeah I've I've often referred to myself as being a misfit because I generally do what people don't expect um so but yeah I'm I'm very I'm happy in myself I'm happy in my body my body image is great now I've gained mm. a couple of <laughs> stones I can't even say a couple of pounds but you know I've, I'm, I'm aging um but yeah. I'm perfectly happy within within my body I know I know it's changing I know I've got other times ahead of me that just frighten me I and mean, I won't lie to you yeah. I know as my conditions worsen um I you know my needs are going to change and my mm-hmm. mobility again is it's already changed because I used to um use a self-propelled wheelchair always yeah. been very adamant you know don't push me don't push me I can do it myself and then of course knackered shoulders and I'm in a power chair now so I've already yeah. seen that change um which is fine because I'll just carry on life in a power chair nothing mm-hmm. nothing's different but you know I can see these changes ahead of me and it is it is scary but I'm I've just got to trust that I can deal with it and I'm surrounded with people that will help me deal with it Um, and I think that's also important as well it's the people you surround yourself with but you've just Mm. touched on that with your friends you know how you surround yourself with people who are like you yeah say search out you know the likeness in other people you very rarely search for something that's completely the opposite um and and I you know I I have people around me who are are just the same that are very much like me so the future looks it looks good it looks busy uh it looks colorful uh, and it, it looks it looks good it looks it looks fine so as disabled people particularly disabled women what I've come to realize is that disabled men don't necessarily get the questions that disabled women get but mm. that's something I'm going to delve into at another point in time because I think that that's it's a fascinating like little microcosm of society mm. but as women and particularly as disabled women quite often I find that we get asked some really bizarre questions surrounding our disability. Oh, yeah. And I was wondering, is there any particular, like, set of questions or one question that every time you get asked it or you hear it, you're either like, oh, not again, or, uh-huh. or like, you have, like, a really smart response to being like, oh, a shark bit my arm off, because that's what I uh-huh. used to say. Uh-huh. Yeah, a repetitive one, not so much now as I'm getting older. You're too sexy to be in a wheelchair. Oh, my gosh. What? Excuse me? I've had that several times and I've had it on a train once. Uh, Me and my mother were traveling in London somewhere. And this guy walked past and said that. 
floored my mother. She couldn't believe that this, you know, that that was what people people were like. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you're too sexy to be in a wheelchair. Well, how sexy do you have to be to be in a wheelchair? Like, not at all. I don't know. What's the answer to that question? Yeah, I've had, a, I've had that that a few times. And that's that, that ableism was... at its finest, right it's there. Such a pointless statement to make, you know. Um, it's such a backhanded compliment. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, I've had that a few times. Um, I've had, I, I, you know, I get a lot of the, uh, you know, what, what have you done? You know, you're too yeah. young being a wheelchair. Used to get a bit of that. Um, not much one-legged stuff, really. Mm-hmm. You'd think there'd be more of that, but not, not much one-legged stuff at all. I know it's out there. But uh, no, not not much of that at all. But yeah, there, there's some strange, strange people out there. Oh, there is nothing stranger than people, generally. <laughs> <laughs> and generally, the ones that you don't even know or want to know, they 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 come up with the strangest stuff, don't they? Oh, it's the ones that seep out of the woodworks, and you're like, where did you come from? Yeah, yeah how did you just pop up here? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know you. <laughs> go back. Go back. <laughs> No, I only friends. have one final question for you and I think I know the answer to this question but I'm going to ask it anyway mm. and that is Lindsay are you disabled and proud mm. what do you think I'm gonna say I think you're gonna say yes huge <laughs> yes huge yes very very proud yeah completely very proud of of everything I've achieved everything that I've overcome yeah. all, all, all the yeah all the work that I've put in very proud of it very proud of it but people say I couldn't do what you do I couldn't I couldn't be like you of course you could and I think you'd surprise yourself yeah. and I say that to everybody you you don't know until this comes knocking at your door what you'd do but I think I think you'd surprise yourself yeah. um because the other option isn't very tasteful, is it? You know, you just lay in your nighty all day, eating mm. crisps and watching daytime TV until you fizzle out. That isn't a very tasty option. So I think most people would would meet it with a challenge. But um, I'm glad I I did, and I have, and I've yeah. fight, fighting the fight. But yeah, love love myself. Well, a young girl once asked me that. I was doing a talk at school. Um, and she was only about eight. And she said, do you like being disabled? Mm, and I said, I like myself. So yeah. and I'm disabled. So therefore, yes, I do like being disabled. And it's a it's a strange thing because without out of context, that makes you sound a little bit bit weird, you know, because who would choose to be disabled? Mm-hmm. But we didn't. But I love what I've got and yeah. what, I, what I haven't got. I'm glad for that as well. I have absolutely loved this interview. I've loved this conversation. I think everything that you've said is so poignant, particularly surrounding confidence and actually just going out and doing the thing, even though knowing the first time around it's maybe not going to be like the best ever, but actually like knowing and and backing yourself, really like really backing yourself and, and saying yes, I think is so important for everybody to take away and I've loved it. So I just want to say a big thank you for, for coming on because I've, I've really, really enjoyed today's conversation. I've really enjoyed this. This has been a completely different type of podcast to to what I'd normally get asked to do because it's normally very business focused. It's yeah. normally very, um, you know, they just want to know about the about the business and that, that side of things. But we've delved into all sorts of stuff, haven't we? I, I told you, it goes, it's a journey. It's very much like it's, it's a little journey. I like to take everyone on. Highs you and know, lows. If we did this again, we'd go elsewhere as well. We'd, we'd, <laughs> yeah, exactly. we'd be all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think, so I read this quote once and I really like it and it's, instead of looking at people and where they are in their lives as levels so you know how some people compare themselves they're like I'm on level five and you're on level 10 what if we actually started looking at our lives 
like maps. So like I'm in New Zealand and you're in New York or I'm mm. in England and you're in Spain. That's where you are in your life right now. Mm. Mm. And ever since I heard that, I thought that's the most beautiful way at looking at anything in your life rather than at these levels, who's doing better, who's outdoing who mm. is actually what journey are you going on and where are you going and where is it taking you? And I think I quite like to stick to that now. And that's what I, I like to do. I heard exactly that same thing put in a different way. Um, and if you look at your life as a book, don't judge me by the chapter you walked in on. Yeah. Yeah, and I it, love that. Very, It's very true because you don't know what my book was before. Um, mm. You know, so don't don't judge by, by the chapter you walk in on. I, I like that. But I like yours as well. You can be in New Zealand. I wouldn't be that far away from you. I think I'd be about Australia. <laughs> I think we'd be fairly nearby, wouldn't just we? Getting, just getting some sunshine because Lord knows we've had absolutely sweet FA here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be in Bali, actually. <laughs> oh, yeah, the dream, sipping out a coconut. In Bali. <laughs> yeah. no, oh, like thank you so much for coming on today and giving up your time and talking about everything that you've spoken about. I've genuinely loved it and I just... I can't wait for other people to hear it as well. Thank you for having me. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much, Brooke. Thanks for listening to this episode of Disabled and Proud. If you've enjoyed the show, then please give it some love by leaving us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts. It really helps us to reach more and more people each week. Plus, if you've got a particular highlight, then I'd absolutely love to hear it. Tag me on your Insta stories at Disabled and Proud Podcast.